0: the spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
1: You know, uh, I was actually thinking of that in myself. You know, Chin's or uh for us or whoever's talking to us he always does this and says we're super close and i'm sick and tired of everybody doing this i just want to be i want guys to be like oh we did it you know or stop doing this because that just pisses me off now because we're so close Um, it's time to uh give it a hump everybody knows that um oklahoma was an opportunity uh, that we just did not uh, capitalize on which sucks but uh, some obviously some positives that we can bring out of that Um, and uh, roll into this week with Michigan State. The this Nebraska linebacker Garrett Nelson was referring to there was holding your finger and thumb up just centimeters apart. The 23-16 loss at Oklahoma was another one of those for Nebraska. Since first suiting up for the Huskers in 2019, Nelson's played 23 games. 13 of those have been decided by one score. Just four of those have been wins for Nebraska That includes 0-2 this year. Huskers' two losses come by a total of 15 points. Sick of this close? Yeah, that more than adds up. But it's only Big Ten games from here on out for the Huskers. More close ones are sure to come. It'd be a surprise if Saturday in East Lansing wasn't another one of those. As Nelson said, it's time to get over the hump. How? Let's get into that. You're listening to the IED Preview Podcast, Husker Spartans edition. I'm Hale Varsity Managing Editor Brandon Vogel. Let's talk some football. Before launching into this Michigan State game, let's do a little bit of OU review, because Nebraska did some good things in Norman. Um, if you listened to last week's show, the three keys from there, run through those quick. Number one, Adrian Martinez had to outplay Spencer Rattler. It was close, but but in my opinion, he did. That's a check mark for Nebraska. Martinez had better numbers across the board, despite being sacked five times to Rattler's zero. He had to deal with a pretty ferocious uh, Oklahoma defensive front. Nebraska's didn't apply anywhere near that pressure. Um, so when you factor that into two numbers that were pretty close across the board between two quarterbacks, I'll give that one to Martinez. Key number two, the defense had to win its high leverage situations. This one goes down as a miss for me. Nebraska was just a little better on third down. Oklahoma was six for 11 on the day. Maybe it gets a win. That first touchdown drive for Oklahoma, the only touchdown of the first half for either team, included pickups of third and seven and third and 11. OU also cashed in three of four scoring opportunities, those being drives across the opponent's 40. All three of those ended up in touchdowns. There was one field goal miss. You've got to be just a little bit better in maybe even one or two of those situations. And maybe Nebraska comes out of that not just with a well-played game, uh, a game where they held Oklahoma to a point total that nobody had yet under Lincoln Riley. Instead of all of that, instead of all of this context, it would just be a, a one in the win column. Third key for Nebraska was don't be afraid to put the ball in the air. I'll give that one a sort of check mark. Rather than get into a shootout, which is what I thought Nebraska probably had to do to be in that game going into the fourth quarter, Nebraska successfully slowed the game down. And that's a huge credit to them. They kind of dictated the game that they wanted to play. Um, That was their plan and they were able to get it. Passing game still had six explosive passes on 30 dropbacks. That's a trait that probably plays a pretty big part this Saturday as well. The opening line for this Michigan State-Nebraska game, which is a 6 p.m. Central kickoff on FS1, had the Spartans favored by three. By midweek, it was up to Spartans minus five. Michigan State was minus 200 on the money line, which is about a 66, 66.7% implied win probability. Well, Nebraska was getting plus 170 on the money line, which is about 37%. Football Power Index, ESPN's one of ESPN's power ratings, gives Nebraska a twenty six point six percent win probability. That system ranks Michigan State seventeenth at three and zero going into this week, and Nebraska at two and two is thirty first. So still pretty good for for a five hundred team. Uh, with Nebraska, FPI would put this line though closer to Michigan State minus eight. SP Plus, the other ESPN power rating for college football actually has the Huskers ranked ahead of of Michigan State. Nebraska's 36th, viewed as nine and a half points better than the average college football team. Michigan State's 40th, uh, 9.1. So virtually identical. A neutral field, that would make Nebraska about a half point favorite. But this isn't a neutral field. Nebraska has to go to East Lansing and playing at home, SP Plus would project Michigan State at minus two or minus two and a half, somewhere in that range. I got a little bit of validation um, this week, listening to Mel Tucker's game week press conference at Michigan state. Uh, he, he had a line in there where he said, you know, the general setup for a game is who do you need to stop? How are you going to stop it? No, excuse me. Who do you need to stop? What do you need to stop? And how are you going to stop it? And I realize that's kind of the approach we've, we've taken on this podcast with the format I've kind of chosen to go with. So thanks for the vote of confidence, Mel. Uh, we'll get into that here. There's three key players for Michigan State in this game. The number one is so far ahead of kind of anyone else in this game that it, it, it seems a little bit ridiculous to even mention him. But you, if you don't know the name, you should at this point. Uh, running back Kenneth Walker to the third is, is one of the best stories of college football so far through the first month. He's a Wake Forest transfer, leads the country in rushing yards with 493 so far through three games. He's one of two backs nationally, who's averaging over eight yards a carry on at least 50 carries. So he's carried a heavy load, and he's done a lot with it. Watching him run, watching these past couple of Michigan State games, he, he reminds me of Amir Abdullah quite a bit. He's decisive, he's quick, he's tough. His Wake Forest numbers were, were interesting. There was nothing that would have suggested. His yards per carry were good. He was at, about at five one year and over five the next, but that's a lot different than eight. Um, he did have, however, 17 touchdowns through his two seasons with Wake Forest. He's already got five this year. So he's a guy who makes plays, finds the end zone, and Nebraska has to come up with a way, way to deal with him. Second on my list for the Spartans, another transfer as they have switched regimes to to the Mel Tucker era, wide receiver Jaden Reed. He came over from Western Michigan so far this season. He only has 12 catches, but but three of those have gone for touchdowns. He's averaging 23.1 yards on those 12 catches. So definitely a big play threat. Michigan State has really added a lot of explosiveness. It's gotten better efficiency-wise, too, but it, its explosiveness has really been a key factor through its 3-0 start. We'll get into more of that later in the second half of the show. Uh, Got to give some love to the defense here as well. Michigan State safety Xavier Henderson is a player to watch. He he reminds me, the Nebraska comparison would be he's he's their JoJo Doman and that he does a bit of everything for Michigan state leads the team in tackles has an interception has three tackles for loss which includes two sacks so that tells you what kind of safety he is for them uh lead the team in tackles he's he's a big part of their run fits we'll see how much that comes into play if if Nebraska can perhaps exploit exploit that to a degree but that's going to require some better rushing efficiency from from the Huskers we'll flip to that side now three key players for Nebraska. This first one was a little bit tough for me. I debated with who to go with uh, at this position, but I'm going to list wide receiver Omar Manning here. I didn't spend a ton of time last year. It was kind of the topic du jour each week of where's Omar Manning? Is he going to play? Why isn't he playing? Not a lot came out of that, but Manning had his first touchdown catch as a Husker last week against Oklahoma. And then on, at Monday's press conference, he kind of opened up about some of the struggles he's had to deal with um, and how much gratitude he has for this coaching staff for stand, standing by him as he tried to get to a place where he could be on the field more consistently. If he can, if that time is now, uh, and it definitely feels like this week has the this week plus the, the game against Oklahoma has a chance to be that kind of turning point for Omar Manning. He has seven catches on seven targets this season, missed the Buffalo game, but every time Nebraska has thrown to him, he's he's made the catch. He's averaging 18.9 yards per catch so far. Number two of my players to watch is is fudging a bit, but pick an offensive lineman. (laughs) We don't need to hammer this point home, but they all need to be better. And, And we saw what it looked like when they took turns kind of, dealing with that Oklahoma defensive front, even though they didn't deal with them all that well. OU, OU was really able to play whack-a-mole a little bit. Uh, exploit the left tackle this time. Next time we'll get the right guard. Uh, had a bunch of penalties up front for Nebraska. Biggest issue was creating room in the run game, and that's been a persistent issue so far this season. But something to watch with this one in particular as it pertains to Nebraska's offensive line. Michigan State enters Saturday, averaging nearly three sacks per game. That's about what Nebraska has been giving up. And we saw Adrian Martinez played really, really well last week in in the face of all of the pressure he was seeing. You don't want to ask your quarterback to have to do that consistently. Number three for the Huskers, uh, coming off a stunning performance at the podium at Monday's press conference. I'm going to go with Garrett Nelson here. Um, He leads Nebraska in tackles for loss, second in quarterback hurries. Michigan State, one of the interesting things about their offense so far, has one of the lowest havoc rates allowed. Havoc rates, tackles for loss, passes broken up, and then takeaways. Uh, And it's, it's something Michigan State's largely been able to avoid. It's, it's been in control. You know, if you watched the Spartans opener against Northwestern, it jumped out to a big lead early and was really in control of that game. Miami game was a little bit more of trading punches early on. The, the Hurricanes struggled to convert some scoring opportunities, and Michigan State kind of took control of that as well. So Nebraska has to find a way to disrupt this offense. And when I'm looking at guys that can do that, Garrett, this, this feels like a, a game that's built for a guy like Garrett Nelson. You're on the road, night game, big 10. It's going to feel like football weather. Uh, Garrett Nelson kind of checks all of those classic boxes. That'll take us to halftime. As we do each week, here's Rusty Dawkins with Saturday's weather forecast. You can follow Rusty on Twitter, at at huskerweather Weather, uh, check hailvarsity.com throughout the week for updated weather reports
0: hi there everyone i'm meteorologist rusty dawkins for the i-80 preview podcast weather forecast and it's fall it's finally fall we made it we're past summer temperatures cooling off the leaves are starting to change on the trees especially where we're headed this weekend michigan is uh, one of the spots where you can really see some gorgeous trees this time of year, and it's getting to be that time of year with fall in the air. It's a 6 p.m. kickoff in East Lansing against Michigan State, and I think the morning hours we may see some light rain showers uh, in East Lansing, but those should taper off as we head past noon into the afternoon hours, so I think by kickoff we'll be just fine. But if you're out there early in the morning, temperatures in the middle 50s, a chill in the air, some light rain showers, gusty southwest wind at 10 to 20 miles per hour. By noon, maybe some lingering showers, otherwise mostly cloudy skies, and temperatures getting into the lower 60s. That's about as high as we get, though. I think we'll be around 60 degrees for kickoff at 6 p.m., mostly cloudy skies, and a gusty southwest wind at 10 to 20 miles per hour. I think that wind starts to calm down by halftime. We'll see partly to mostly cloudy skies, temperatures in the middle 50s by halftime, with that southwest wind around 5 to 15 miles per hour. By the fourth quarter, end of the game, partly cloudy skies, and a chill in the air, upper 40s to around 50 degrees with that southwest wind at 5 to 15 miles per hour. Keep an eye on my social media channels for uh, future weather updates. That's Rusty WX and Husker Weather, and HailVarsity, Varsity, of course, will have updates as well. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins. Go Big Red.
1: Okay, there's plenty to break, break down with, with this game. It feels, I find myself feeling like there are high stakes here for Nebraska each week. Oklahoma was was. One where maybe that wasn't the case, you know, Scott Frost said in the days leading up to that game, he just wanted, you know, Nebraska had a lot to gain, very little to lose as a three touchdown underdog. And he wanted to see his team go out and play with that freedom. They did the challenge this week is building off of that result, which we've seen Nebraska's played well in the past. um, And it hasn't, hasn't carried over. You're still waiting to, to kind of hit that turning point to get over the hump as, as Garrett Nelson said. But you, you start to look at the season as a whole. Nebraska only has Big Ten games left. It might only be favored in two of those games remaining. And there will be a bunch of them in there where it's you know a four-point spread, a five-point spread. So really you're talking about, depending on which team's at home, kind of toss-up games. Nebraska's got to go out there and get it and try to, to to find a way to to get to six wins certainly is kind of a, a bare minimum I think so the pressure is only going to increase there are no breaks coming up for Nebraska until October when it gets gets done with that Minnesota game so it's it's grind time for the huskers How does Nebraska come away with a win from East Lansing first key for me is going to be, can, can Nebraska's defense continue to keep the big plays down? The Blackshirts are a bit of an oddity right now when you really step back and look at it. It's clear from watching the games that they're playing well. In the two losses to, to Illinois and Oklahoma, the defense absolutely gave Nebraska a shot to win both of those games. They were pretty good on the majority of the plays in, in both of those. But you look at the season total so far, this, this Husker defense ranks 55th at, at five yards per play allowed, so a little better than average, but probably not as high as you would think. They're 101st in success rate allowed at 45.7%, which means teams are staying on schedule uh, way more than you would like for, for a defense um, and, and staying on schedule more, than, more often than Nebraska's offense is. They ranked 90th in third down conversion rate. Touched on that a little bit with the OU review. That's a number you want to see come down. It's a number that did come down as last year progressed for, for this defense. As we'll see. So much of that comes down to, I mean, yes, you got to play good defense and you've got to make individually good plays, but how long is that third down distance? Nebraska hasn't been too bad. Uh, on that front, I think average third down for this defense is about a little over six yards. When Nebraska really went on its tear over the final four games in 2020, it was up closer to nine. This team also ranks 103rd in Havoc rate, which I hit on a little bit when talking about Nelson, specifically because he's somebody who could, I think, be that disruptor. They, they need some more of those plays to help this defense continue to really, in my mind, exceed expectations at this point. Despite all of those, those numbers that are average to, to below average, Braska's only giving up 15.8 points per game, which is 26. How is that happening, given some of the stuff we just talked about? The is doing an excellent job of limiting explosive plays. It's just giving those up on 10.1% of plays through the first four games, and it's been equally strong against the rush and the pass. So that's kind of your basic setup here. Uh, you look at all these numbers, Nebraska is going to give up some yards. Yes. Um, but in exchange, they're going to keep a lid on things. It's, it's kind of a very big 10 approach. We, we tend to see, well, Iowa and Northwestern, which are you know two of the longest tenured coaching staffs in the country, much less the big 10. Are pretty good at keeping the yards down and keeping the big plays down, so this isn't that surprising of a place. I don't think for for Nebraska to be defensively, you know, three seasons into its development under this current coaching staff, they've got the big play part of it down. That said, Michigan State is is a team that can really put the challenge to that, and, and this is kind of remarkable if you look at. You look at the stats from last year and when I was previewing Michigan State for the the 2021 Hale Varsity Yearbook, I I wrote this. It was maybe the worst rushing attack for a Power Five team last season. And, you know, conference only schedule, limited games for some teams around the country. All of that factors in, but it really had no pop at all. Inter Walker, who, who has changed things quite a bit. Spartans overall, so pass and rush, have an explosive play rate of 20.4%. So Nebraska defensively is at 10. Michigan State's offense is at 20. And generally the national average is right around 15 and to 15.5%. So that kind of tells you where both teams are. Michigan State's done a good job of getting a, a good share of those through the passing game. But, but it's particularly strong with the rush. Walker's a big, big piece of that. He's probably going to get his yards. But NU has to find a way in this game to limit the big runs. So far this season, Walker has seven rushes of 20-plus yards through three games. That's first nationally. And that's first above some guys who have played four games. Nebraska's defense has only allowed six of those rushes through through four games, so six runs of 20-plus yards. It's a something-gotta-give situation, strength-on-strength strength here. You can find one of those when you flip it around, give Nebraska the ball as well. My second key for this is can Nebraska's offense continue to cook in the passing game? The best possible development on Saturday would be for Nebraska's run game to all of a sudden get loose given what we've seen so far, there's little to su- suggest such a performance is coming. So Nebraska probably needs to lean on its best weapon so far, and that's an explosive passing game. If you told me before the season started that Nebraska would have an explosive pass rate of 22.9% after four games, I would have assumed this team was 3-1. and one. I might have said, well, depending on how, how it broke and how many points you gave up against Oklahoma, you might even be 4-0. and And boy, wouldn't that be a different conversation? Part of the reason I think I go into things the way that I do is that, yeah, the record's all that matters at the end of the day, but how well teams are playing it tells you more about what's to come. So whether Nebraska is four and O or two and two, how they're playing doesn't change. It's, you know, they're saying that a lot of football games are decided on just a handful of plays. That's still Nebraska, and they're doing some good things here. That said, I came into the year thinking if you could add some explosiveness in the passing game, it would be the missing ingredient this offense needed. Now, that assumed there'd be no drop off in Nebraska's success rate, its down by down ability to stay on schedule. And, and I don't feel bad about that assumption, even in retrospect, because through three seasons, it was kind of the calling card. Um, we talked about it on this podcast before, the one thing you kind of locked in for a Nebraska offense, and it's been up and down in a lot of categories over the previous three seasons was, it's going to be pretty efficient, its success rate is going to be pretty strong, and it's going to be on schedule. And eventually that has to pay off. Well, it has dipped this year. Nebraska's current success rate is 42.1%, which ranks 76th. It was 20th last year. Run games, the other piece of this that had to stay at a similar level, I think, for a better passing game to truly add all of the value it could, and so far it hasn't. Nebraska's hitting for 10-plus yards on a rush, which is what the threshold I use for an explosive rushing play on just 10.4% of its carries. They were at 17.3% last season. Martinez has three of Nebraska's five runs that have gone for 20 yards or more. And he has all of Nebraska's rushes for longer than 30 yards. So that kind of tells you a lot about the struggles on the offensive line. Some about the struggles at the running back position, you know, Nebraska has shuffled through, really four different backs at this point, And the usage has been all over the place. They're looking for somebody who can kind of consistently provide that spark. And the search continues going into East Lansing. That being the case, Nebraska probably has to lean on its best weapon so far, which is an explosive pass rate that's up over 20%. Nebraska's receiving core could just be hitting its stride at this point, because I think it's a as close now to, to full strength as it has been at any point this season. Mentioned Manning earlier, but Xavier Betts had a, had a really strong game against Oklahoma and has done enough over recent weeks to, I think, earn more in, in the passing game in terms of looks. Travis Vokalek had a big catch in his first game back. Still unsure about Oliver Martin, the leading receiver from the opener against Illinois. If he were available, that's that's kind of another log to throw on the fire here potentially. But this is also one of Michigan State's defensive strengths. Spartans are allowing explosive play on just 9.9% of plays so far, and it's 11.9% of passing plays. Again, 15, 15 and a half is about average there. So the Spartans are doing some good things under under defensive coordinator Scotty Hazelton. Big plays are a key part of any game. But when you look at this one, it's a case of strength on strength two ways. When Nebraska's passing, it's the Huskers' offensive strength against a pretty strong area for Michigan State. When Michigan State's running the football, it's a strength for the Spartans, or at least it has been, against a strength for Nebraska. On the road, at night, tough environment, Huskers probably need to get the better of both of those battles to come away with a win. Third key for this week, somebody has to win special teams, right? Nebraska, according to SP Plus, ranks 120th in special teams at minus 0.3. There's not a lot of range for those special teams ratings in SP Plus, but what that's saying is against an average team, Nebraska's special teams is probably worth 0.3 points off the board. Michigan State, however, only ranks 116th, they're at minus 0.2. So pretty similar. Special teams haven't been great for either team entering this one, which kind of underscores, well, whichever one gets the best of it uh, probably is going to have a leg up. Place kicking is a big reason why those numbers are, are low for both teams at this point. Matt Coughlin is, he's been Michigan State's full-time kicker for the past four seasons. He's, he's a graduate senior, um, taking advantage of an extra year of availability. So far this year, he's only two for five. He entered the, the, this season with a 75.3% field goal percentage for his career. Some of that's a little bit, uh, in the context, however, he's two for five, but his three misses have come from 60 yards, which was basically, a why not attempt at the end of the first half against Northwestern missed from 50. And then he missed from 39 against Miami. Connor Culp's struggles for Nebraska are, have been impossible to miss so far. He entered the year making 77.4% of his career field goals over two seasons. That was last year at Nebraska, 2017 at LSU so far. He's three for eight. How much does that, cost Nebraska, based on Colp's career average entering the year, Nebraska has 22 actual points from its kicking game after four games. You'd expect that to be 30.3. And how I arrive at that number is you take Colp's career makes based on distance and, and where he tried those for him. So, you know, if he makes 75%, of all of his kicks from between 30 and 39 yards you know you're looking at a field goal, every field goal attempt then is worth 2.4 2.5 points on on average if you take the last seven years of of nebraska kicking which was a lot of drew brown and drew brown was 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 pretty good um you have 22 points actual points for nebraska from kicking and you'd expect about 30.9. So either way with those, um, Nebraska's down about between probably eight and nine points that it could realistically expect to have if Connor Culp was just kind of kicking up to the level that we know he's capable of. And, and none of this is to, to pile on Culp. Um, Scott Frost noted that he's dealt with an injury in fall camp. So maybe the repetition wasn't there to the degree that it would have been entering the season. Also with kicking and any sort of repetitive motion type of thing with sports, you know, it becomes easy. Like once you, something's off, once you kind of lose that movement that really, in the case of a kicker, you've honed over your entire life, um, it can mess with you a little bit. I think it'd be fair to expect Culp to kind of progress to the mean in in this case and get closer to his career averages by year's end, but it's it's not a given. And that's something that could play a pretty big factor in a game that is between three points, five points favoring Michigan State. So you're squarely in toss-up territory at that point. There's also this piece of it with the Husker special teams moving beyond just, just the place-kicking part of it, which if you want to read more about Culp and expected points and just how much Nebraska's left on the field, uh, go to hailvarsity.com I wrote a story on that. That's up there now. Strange fact about special teams in a more broad sense. Nebraska has given up four plays on what I would call dumb stuff. Um, or maybe bizarre stuff is, is the better way. Give up two points against Illinois, uh, on a safety on a punt return, which you don't see very often. That's a once every handful of seasons type of deal also had an extra point blocked and returned for two points the other way against Oklahoma. So that's four points allowed from special teams, which is more than Nebraska's given up in the kicking game. Uh, opponents only have one made field goal against the Huskers so far. So it's a, it's a weird one. Statistically, Michigan state probably has an edge in the other three phases of special teams. Um, they've punted for a higher average. Their punt return average is higher Kickoff return average is higher, which uh, is Nebraska's number on that front is is not great. Um, I'm not quite sure why a fair catch isn't the default strategy there. You got some playmakers, you want to give them a chance, but if you were to step away and really break it down, uh, when Nebraska chooses to return a kick, they're often starting with worse field position than if they just fair caught it or taken the touchback. So. Kind of got away those things. Playing Michigan State to a draw in special teams, given what we're looking at here, I think would definitely go down as a win for the Huskers. Last, so I typically stick to three keys. I don't know why. It's not a magic number. It just uh, has a ring to it. But here's one more thing to keep in mind for Michigan State Nebraska on Saturday. Michigan State under Mel Tucker is five and zero when it's leading or tied after the first quarter it's zero and five when it's trailing Tucker to go back to his press conference this week has a saying deep water that's he, he he admitted he's he's even surprised at how much it's taken root with the team here in their their second season but really their first full normal season under under this staff he, he mentioned the need to capture players minds and it's why you hear a lot about these kind of sayings, these team mottos, these things that pop up. Uh, Scott Frost at Big Ten Media Days said he's not into sloganeering, but we sure hear nameless, faceless opponent every week from, from the Huskers. So I think you can be not into it and, and still implement it. But for Michigan state, it's quote unquote, deep water, which Tucker defined as this. We're built to play four quarters, 60 minutes of the game or more. It's a uh, kind of, be comfortable being uncomfortable type of mindset, which, you know, isn't anything like proprietary or, or anything like that. You've all heard all, all of that stuff from, before from various coaches and various sports, but Michigan State so far seems to be living it. Tucker noted that based on their player tracking data uh, through three games, Michigan State's been playing faster. However, Michigan State chooses to measure that. Um, in the fourth quarter of games than it has over the previous three. Pretty impressive when you consider that kickoff for that temperature at kickoff for that win over Miami last week was 87 degrees. Those were not easy conditions. Nebraska didn't have easy conditions in Oklahoma either. And it's worth noting here that the Huskers are, have outscored opponents so far 41-7 to seven in the fourth quarter. Scott Frost's first meeting with Mel Tucker in twenty nineteen when Tucker was still coach at Colorado. Braska was up seven nothing after the first quarter, seventeen nothing at halftime. Whether it was high altitude, deep water, whatever the case in that game, we remember how it went. Tucker's team was better later and, and they came away with the win. Could look at that either way here. Somebody's gonna have to be better in the fourth quarter. Go back to Michigan State and how it's controlled games so far. In this 3-0 start, you look at the records of Tucker's Spartan teams just based on leading or trailing after the first quarter. That first quarter is going to be an important marker, I think, in this game. Nebraska can come away with a lead. Um, it, it might have things, definitely it won't have things in control. This could be a fourth quarter game. But it's put itself in a position to kind of show that it has built off of that Oklahoma loss. So first 15 minutes in this one are going to be pretty big. That's the show for this week should be a fun week. Nebraska has a big opportunity here. Um, Back-to-back road games aren't easy. Michigan state's playing at a really high level. What this coaching staff at Michigan state has been able to do given all of the complications of last year, it was complicated for everyone, but Mel Tucker and staff started late, had no spring football, went through all of the start and stop and start and stop to even get some games in and really entered the year as a total mystery. Nobody knew what to expect of Michigan state here. They are ranked in the top 25 after three weeks. So feels like it could be a turning point, a potential turning point for Nebraska's season come out of here with a win. And it, and it really changes, I think, We've heard Nebraska's coaches say everything we want to do is still out in front of us. And that's, that's true. Um, a win would make it a lot easier to keep saying that five games end of the year. If you like the show, do your podcast chores as, as I put it each week, um, like rate it, tell a friend, tell an enemy subscribe most of all, and be sure to check out our entire roster of shows on, on the Hale varsity network. We've got shows going almost every day during game week, so give those a listen. And uh, if you want more of breakdowns like this, uh, discussions of football, volleyball, coverage of everything that Nebraska does, uh, check out HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe to get signed up. Thanks for listening. A Huda
0: Media Production.